This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Ocala, Florida. And I am Joseph Berto from White City, Oregon, and you are listening to a special Horse Husbands Only edition of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 23rd, episode 2001, brought to you today by the Shaken Fork and the Flexen Fork. I am a manly man who lives a manly life in my manly house with my manly wife. And now, from the Man Cave at the Horse Radio Network, the monthly Horse Husbands episode starring Timothy Harfield of Horsehubby.com and America's Horse Husband, Glenn the Geek. This one is for you guys. No horsewomen allowed. Well, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Joseph. You were out last oh. month. We're going to talk a little bit about why that happened. Yeah, uh, a little excitement there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little excitement and what was going on there. Plus, we have a couple of great guests for you today. We have a pilot and a horse husband joining us. He's going to talk a little bit about how all of that came about. And then we have a dramatic story coming up for you later on. And we have our first horse Husband, horse, husband, wife, wife. That's right. So uh, Carrie is the wife to Katie, and she's coming on to tell about her dramatic experience with a story you definitely want to hear today. Yeah, it's. We always say there's no women allowed, and uh, and this is not a guy with uh, with a high voice. We actually invited <laughs> women on the show this time, so. But it makes sense. So It'll make sense women later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep, but the rest of you, turn it off. You're not allowed to listen. Turn it so, off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dial goes to a different position. That's right, exactly. So we are here the fourth Thursday of every month, and we are the Horse Husbands episode, where we talk to horse husbands, we talk about horse husband things, and, you know, only things that uh, people who married into this crazy lifestyle can relate to. Well, Joseph, you weren't, we weren't able to do a show, we had to put a best of up last month, because you were in a situation. Yeah, we were um, kind of unexpected. Uh, I had some friends over at the new property we have, which is a very rural, wooded uh, property outside of Trail, Oregon. And uh, we watched a lightning bust come through. And within, I'm going to say, 25 minutes of the lightning bust, we watched four fires develop in the in the mm. forests around us. We're kind of in a valley. And I called them into the Oregon Department of Forestry and kind of thought everything was going to be fine. And uh, little did I know that one of them at the head of the valley we live in was on uh, the uh, Forest Service land rather than Oregon Department of Forestry. And they uh, had so many fires that they didn't put anybody on our fire for three days. And it went from just a little smoldering single stick tree to by the time they got people on it, I think it was about 600 acres. And uh, a day later we got the evacuation notice and it was um, over 3000 acres at that point, And it was jumping about a mile a day and it started three miles away. And this was the third day. And Jeez. so 
boy, you talk about um, getting religion. The the sheriff showed up just like our next guest um, and told us that, that this is where you're at. And uh, we actually had one other group of people show up and they did a uh, an evaluation of what buildings they thought were going to be savable and what buildings they weren't and what trees they were going to cut down. And I'm just all, you know, guys, this, this ain't happening because I've been doing this for 23 years. And I can tell you, if a fire comes onto this property, we're not going to worry about understory and a and little bit of brush next to a building. This is going to be a catastrophe. And um, so I started calling my friends and, and that's the beautiful part about you have friends that you can depend on no matter what. And I had people leave work and come up there. And one of them stopped at, uh, at one of the plumbing supply places and brought me up a thousand feet of, uh, of pipe. And another one went to our ranch and brought a thousand feet of all of our irrigation. We brought pumps in and on the property, we have about a a five acre pond, which holds like seven or 8 million gallons of water. So I, I wasn't worried about water necessarily, but it was a matter of getting it distributed out far enough. And uh, that day, the fire was in a position that the helicopters were able to start bombing on it using our pond as their water source. And so they dumped... Well, let's explain for new listeners how ironic that is. Well, it is ironic. It's ironic because I used to work as a fire pilot flying a firefighting helicopter. Yes. And I found (laughs) this piece of property two years prior, dipping out of that pond putting water in a fire adjacent to the property that I now subsequently owned. (laughs) This whole thing is one big circle. It's just one giant circle that I preserved the the property for somebody else, and now I have other pilots coming onto the property preserving it for me. And and there's been a lot of times where after a fire, somebody's found where I was at, and and they say, thank you, firefighters. Well, people actually would come onto the helibases, and give their personal story about how a helicopter I was flying put the water at the right spot and, and put the fire out. So, yes, there's there's some irony in it. But you want to talk about getting real. So I've got all of our friends working, and we're putting all this stuff up, and suddenly it feels like I'm being stung, and the embers from the fire were live embers that were landing on us, landing on our skin and burning us. And if that doesn't make you start moving, nothing's going to, because there's so much smoke. And we're not talking about embers that are little, the little white things that land on your car when you're downwind of a fire. We're talking about full-size fronds, leaves, bees nests, um, real stuff that's being carried up into the, into the wind and then de- depositing on us downwind. And I thought, you get to the point that you've done everything that you can do, and now you're just going to wait. And, and I had my water truck and I had the hose and I had the irrigation in place. And I thought today is going to be the day it's either going to come at us this evening or it's not. And at 1230 that night, I went up to the fire edge and the forestry department had done a backburn, which meant that they had scratched a line uh, and cleared all the brush off of a logging road. And then they had burned backwards towards the fire about a hundred feet. And by the time I got there, the main forest fire had hit that back burn and then did not cross the line. And so at, at 1230 that, that, that night, I was sitting there saying that we're safe, that this fire is going to burn 
to the side of our property, but it's not going to come any further up the draw, barring a catastrophic wind event. And then it would have jumped the line and half a mile later, we were the first house that would have been burned. Mm. But thankfully it didn't jump the line. And after two or three days of, of concern, um, it, it was done. The fire event was done. And mm. boy, talk about getting your attention though. I, I was perfectly calm until the embers started landing. And I thought, you know, if they're landing on me and they're burning, they're, they're also landing else. on all the... <laughs> everything else, the dead grass and the trees and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, quite the, quite the experience, but, uh, around us right now here in Medford, uh, there's more fires than I can count. Um, we have, we have smoke that's so thick that it's in the, well, I think it's past the, the, the hazardous point. And, uh, yeah. Are people actually wearing it, masks and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. You see it quite a bit. And and I don't blame them at all. I have hay fever, and I have to wear masks. Well, you and, know, and so I, I I have asthma. I would have to. I would just have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 you do, and it helps a lot. But it, it doesn't um, it doesn't help your eyes, and it doesn't help your your state of mind. Mm. I mean, it's like it's almost like fog, except it's one hundred and ten degrees. Yeah, um, it, and it's now it's been here for almost six weeks. So we were we were somewhere. Uh, we're above the the big fires that are in California, the Mendocino and the Redding Fire, but all around us here in Oregon, are, we're surrounded by fires, and it's really uh, uh, because of there was just no rain, and and I know that there's concern about about global warming or climate change or whatever, but if you don't have rain, it it, it doesn't matter what's going on. The the fires are just going to be very very difficult to put out, and and that's the case now. And the story that that is what happened in the case of this fire, that half a million gallons that they put sort of across the draw and along the the flanks of the fire did kind of push it towards um, a section that they did have retardant from the from the fire bombers and slowed it down enough. And four days later, the fire was it wasn't contained, but at least it wasn't growing. And now they consider it to be contained and uh, and our place is safe. The beauty of it is, there won't be another fire coming from that direction. <laughs> You're pretty safe for a year or two that, that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is, is there any there. hope of rain? Do you guys have any rain in the forecast? Nothing. Nope. Nope. There's no rain. We and, could send some your the... way. We've had like inches every day. Isn't it weird how the how I mean, the we've been flooded is... here. I mean, just... You're flooded and yeah. we're... They're talking about that these fires are going to continue until they figure December, including the fire that's where we're at because it's contained, which means that they walk the fire back 100 feet from the edge. Unless you guys got like a major Pacific storm with tons of rain. Yeah, and then you have what's called a season-ending event, and everybody goes home. That's That's it, it. huh? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It drops an inch of rain, and, and it's like God's own super tanker because in one drop, it's done. And all the pilots go home, and all the the firefighters, you know, collect their overtime. And can have we pay just or have your... uh, can we just you know hold one up for them? Uh, my <laughs> God, the work they've Absolutely. been doing this year, jeez! And we've lost no a lot about of them it. too. And and there's a lot of fire season left, and and that's one of the difficult things. And I remember when I was flying, is it's a cu- cumulative fatigue that that you you just get to be uh, less tolerant with the other guys that you're, you're working with, you're not eating right. You're not sleeping right. And, um, cumulatively you're just tired and, and it's kind of fun and interesting at the beginning. And at the end, it's just a slog. Mm. 
And California is just entering their fire season, too. Um, September, October is considered California's fire season. And so they've not had no fire season. It's been a fire season continuously almost there. So Yeah, pretty uh, much they, since they like February, a, March it's been going. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's crazy. Well, our hats are off to them. And uh, uh, thankfully, you were spared on your new property having that be destroyed. Yep. So thankfully yep. that didn't yep. happen. And we're going to hear a story of another fire here in just a little bit. But first we have to talk about something that we have been, you know, yesterday we celebrated episode 2000 here on Horses in the Morning. And it's 2001. And I remember on going to see 2001 Space Odyssey with my dad, by the way. That's one of the very few movies I remember seeing with him. But we're at episode 2001. And we started this show back in 2010. And we had just moved here to moved here to Florida, and right. that's when we found you, or you found us. One of the I don't even remember how we found each other. Well, I, I can <clears throat> tell you because I was commuting. I was firefighting where one of our guests is over by by Bend, Oregon, and I was commuting back and forth, and I was listening to this new podcast about horses, and Jamie Jenning and you, and it was so entertaining that I just had to get this, this new horse product that we had out to you. And, um, and at that particular time, it took some doing. It was it it wasn't did, yeah. easy to get on horses in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a different story. And then, so we met you. You sent us a shake and fork and flex and forks. Right. And we are now seven years later <clears throat> since you sent those over to us. We've moved, <laughs> you know, since then. <laughs> and I use the shake and fork still to this day. We, we only have a couple stalls to clean, but I clean a couple stalls with it. The thing that amazes me about the shake and fork, and for those that are wondering what we're talking about, it's actually a manure fork that has a trigger, a battery, and a mechanism in it that makes the head shake. So it does right. like 50% of the work for you. And it it's so nice. You save a ton of bedding. You really do save about 50% of the bedding, and it takes you about 50% of the time. It just works. And the amazing part is we're all used to our phones that have crappy batteries that seem to die in a year. A year before your con- you've even paid the thing off, your, your battery's dying. <laughs> your battery's dying. <laughs> it's true. And I literally plugged my shake and fork in for the first time in three months the other day to charge. I had been using it every day for three months, and, and that battery is still going. It's yeah. Well, it's you amazing. were just lucky to remember where your charger is. At. I had trouble finding. I had to go to Jennifer. Where's the charger? She said, "I think I put it in a container over here in the tack room." We hadn't <laughs> used it in so long, and usually batteries, when they sit, it's actually the worst thing for them because that drains them even more. Uh, but yeah. you know, I don't use it, you know, but uh, for two stalls a day, and yet the battery's still amazing. So yeah, we tried to to build in the not only the battery life, but we try to use a good quality of plastic and and uh, make it so that all the components are are going to last. A, a, so you get a good value out of the things. And um, yeah, we're lucky that over the time of the show, if it would have been a crappy manure fork, you might have broken three or four of them. That's and then, right. Oh, I would have broken a lot more be, than that. Yeah, where would we be 2,000 shows later? Well, Glenn, is your fork <laughs> broken today? <laughs> well, you know what we have here in Florida is we have the grass that has the roots that are right at the top. So we have grass that has, we, we call them rooty tops. So when you try and clean paddocks with a regular manure fork, you're breaking the tine in no time because it gets caught in those yeah. roots. Um, yeah. Whereas yeah. the flex and fork flexes so it doesn't break. 
yeah. Uh, it's yeah. it's crazy. Anyway, I I know I'm doing your commercial for you, but <laughs> I want to say oh, thank you. Well, it's no, still I, working. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, what's nice is that you were talking about the flex and fork, and um, we have not had any flex and forks for sale for for almost this entire year. We we had a, a really rough patch with trying to find a vendor for the plastic, uh, but we finally got it, and uh, it's amazing how many calls that we got from customers trying to buy them during that time who were worried that they couldn't buy another fork because as a lot of them found out, once you get used to what you did, which is that flexible backbone, it's really hard to return to a stiff tine fork. And it's, it's hard on the radio to describe what that feature is, but if you've ever ridden a mountain bike that has a suspension system, it's the same sort of idea that instead of having a rigid backbone underneath you and a rigid fork, um, the basket is suspended, so it automatically adjusts the tines to whatever surface you're pushing it on, and it makes it easier to slide under the manure. That backbone also reduces the shock to the tines, and it's the reason that they last so long. Um, it's probably the only fork that will wear out the handle pole before it wears out the tines. And uh, um, the other thing we found, like you were just talking about, is it doesn't do that flicky thing. Yes. You know, where you pick up the manure and it catches on the, the grass. And, and it's hitch in the bang. face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't do that. But for the loyal uh, Horses in the Morning listeners who have been waiting to stock up, we're going to provide a 10% discount on Flex and Forks for the next seven days. So oh, cool. if you come on to equitymfg.com, type in H-I-T-M when hit it him. asks for the coupon horses code. Horses in the Morning, hit them. Horses in the morning for the coupon code, and uh, and that'll give you a ten percent discount. And if you buy three, we'll pay the shipping, and uh, that'll save you almost forty bucks. And you're not allowed to say this, but we have seen them in the wild now at Disney World <laughs> and the barns at Disney World. They use your forks, and also at Monty Roberts' property up at Flag is Up Farm, he uses your forks too. So uh, I don't you know if you're allowed that. to say that, but we're allowed to say. It. Nope. The other thing I want to say about the shaken fork, and that's the that's the one that actually does more of the work for you. It's not a cheap fork, right. but it's going to last you forever. Is right. when after I had my shoulder surgery, I couldn't shake really good. You know, the shoulder didn't work that way. So I would not have been helping Jennifer clean the stalls if it weren't for the shaken fork. That and within about two weeks after my shoulder surgery, I could use because it literally does the work for you. So it does. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. being you, hurt, you don't have to be the motor. Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't. It didn't cause me pain because I didn't. I you know could use the shaken fork. I couldn't have done it the other way. <laughs> well, all right. Where they can they? Where can they buy it? <clears throat> Okay, well, that's E-Q-U-I-T-E-E-M-F-G.com is where you can find us. And remember, we aren't just the manufacturer of the forks. As horse owners, we use them every single day, too. That's E-Q-U-I-T-E-E-M-F-G.com. Equitymfg.com. Put HITM, H-I-T-M, in the coupon code and get 10% off. Well, now we're coming up to our first guest. We have Chad coming on, right? That's correct. Chad, a friend of mine, lives about 30, 30 miles away from me. And in fact, he's the one that gave me my latest flight review. And I found out he, um, his wife was a horse girl. So this should be interesting. So our first guest uh, this afternoon is Chad Hermanson. He's uh, a pilot, just like myself. He lives um, just up the road from me, and at the end of one of the uh, check rides that I had with him, he happened to mention that um, his wife had horses, and I thought to myself, oh, goodness, here's a pilot, and he's a horse husband, and um, 
there's a lot in common here. So welcome, Chad. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit how long you've been flying and, and uh, what you do for a living, and then um, how long you've been a horse husband for. Well, I've been flying for uh, 11 years. Uh, I'm a commercial-rated pilot and CFI, or flight instructor here in Grants Pass, Oregon, and I've been a horse husband now for almost seven years. That's that's really good. How how uh, how did you meet a horse girl being a pilot? What was the? Well, I I've was raised around horses uh, all throughout high school, rodeoed, and was on the high school equestrian team, which is actually where we met. Was high school uh, at a rodeo, and ended up being on opposing uh, equestrian team rivals, and rode and just got to know each other through high school, and here we are, uh, married for seven years now. And how many horses do you have? Do you want the number or you want a, a too many? <laughs> <laughs> I think we know the answer. <laughs> uh, well, actually, funny story. We have seven and we're, I'm sorry, we have four and we're going to pick up another one tonight. <laughs> and you have uh, yeah. three stalls, right? That's usually how it works. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she, she showed me a, a, a picture last night, you know, the Field of Dreams. If you, if you build it, they will come. So we built. Uh, we have a six-stall barn, and just in case you know we we needed the extra room. And you want to hear a funny story, Glenn? Is that I've talked to Chad a number of times, and one of the addresses that popped up on his little search there happened to be our ranch. And so <laughs> <laughs> our ranch is for sale, and his wife knows about it, and so he keeps pushing our ranch in front of him with his Wheaties. Yeah, that's a beautiful place, and I, I wish I could get it for, her, but. One of these days. So do you, the, the horse husband experience, um, did you have any concept that it was going to be like it is? Yes and no. Uh, my wife, or sorry, my mother growing up uh, always had horses. And so I heard from my dad what it was like. He, he was not into horses as much. And when I married another gal, I thought, hey, you know, this is the lifestyle that I've always lived. I love horses. I like livestock and the, the country life. It's no different than what I'm used to. Wow. Um, until you marry one. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, it's great. We, we have that in common. She lives and breathes them. I like to enjoy them. So it's a little difference there. Um, but, I mean, it's a, it's a great lifestyle. We both get along in most days with horses. And she grew up in the very competitive aspect of, of horses, and I just kind of had them as, as fun. So what kind of competing? Um, well, we started out early, like I said, in high school. So it was the Jim Canna type, you know, uh, games and barrel racing. She did barrel racing competitively up until about four years ago. And we got into cowboy mounted shooting uh, thanks to her mom. Wow. So uh, we've been doing that for about four years, and uh, we've traveled all the way from, you know, West Coast all the way to uh, the World Championships down in Amarillo, Texas for a couple of years now. Oh, wow. And you guys must so, be half decent then. Uh, yeah, fair enough. We, we pay for some of our entry fees, and we donate to uh, the rest. <laughs> so so are, you, are you doing the mounted shooting as well? Yeah, uh, actually our whole family. So her mom got started in it, 
we went out and tried it and now it's her myself and both of our sons do it as well oh that's so cool do they use the same size guns uh they do so they they have different categories growing up you know when you're under i think it's 12 or 14 you're considered a wrangler wranglers do not actually shoot the guns but they'll run the patterns and then they have the choice to either point at them or just run you know two-handed run through the course um but once they're 14 and they move up into the category ones then yes they use the same same size guns that the adults use and i've seen the kids do um non-mounted shooting they'll they let the kids do kind of target practice right yes of the matches to do ground shooting and they'll set up the balloons and then they just shoot from a stationary uh, point on the ground. <laughs> this is becoming, Joseph, mounted shooting is huge now. It's becoming so popular across the country. Isn't, uh, is the next step after mounted shooting that, that uh, where they start doing the bow and arrow, it's kind of like you go backwards, you keep getting, making yeah. it harder and yeah. harder. That, you know, our neighbors, uh, we live on one side of the hill, and then our neighbors on the other side of the hill actually do uh, the archery. And I I cannot compare. I've never tried it, but honestly, I think that takes a ton of skill. Uh, not that mounted shooting doesn't, but I, just, I think it's a different category. Yeah, that was a, a Hunger Games-inspired thing. And um, I'm, I'm hearing more people are trying it, but that's got to be a lot harder to steer with your legs and shoot with your hands or... However, it works. Yeah, pulling your arrows out and racking them up and shooting them at targets with a bow and arrow. At this, I haven't had the guts to try it yet, but it's entertaining to watch. So, since you're in a really expensive, time-consuming profession and hobby, and she's in a expensive, time-consuming hobby, how do you delegate time and expense? Well, it was always kind of the running joke. I, I wanted an airplane uh, before I was a, a commercial pilot. And I always said, hey, you know, we, we should get an airplane. We travel a lot and we drive to Central Oregon uh, at least a couple times a month. And it was, I thought it was a joke. She was more or less serious. But she said, hey, you can buy an airplane after I have an indoor arena and a big barn <laughs> and, a living quarter, and a living quarters trailer. <laughs> so... Uh, here I am flying other people's airplanes and getting paid for it, so I really don't have a need to buy one. There you go. So I saved all the expense <laughs> that way. What? How different? I mean, you're doing commercial, or you're a commercial pilot, but you do mostly private and corporate stuff, right? Yeah, I, I actually fill the time with that, but when I get a chance, I do a lot of uh, instructing. I got it. So with the commercial and corporate stuff, that's kind of an on-call. You're just to be ready when they're ready, right? Or And do you get a lot of warning? It is. Uh, you know, we get most of the clients are really respectful, and they'll give you a 12 to 24-hour notice uh, minimum. But it can be at times, you know, hey, I need to be up here in two hours, and you, we're just kind of on an on-call type of thing. Got it. Yeah, I was wondering about that. <clears throat> and you could fly wherever. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. Uh, we have different aircraft that we have, so they they uh, are in different categories of flights, and some of them are better than others for the weather that we get out west here. But, yeah, for, for the most part, we can go anywhere that they need to go. And I guess if you get to the Bill Gates statute, you can put your horses into your airplane and then really put the two together. <laughs> <laughs> that's for right. the average Cessna driver, I think that's a little out of reach. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. So how's it been with, uh, in our area, at least down here by Medford, we're just absolutely socked in with smoke. How's the flying been where you're at with the, with the fire smoke? Pretty, pretty much the same. Uh, I mean, I live in Medford. I commute to Grants Pass. I uh, just got done with a, a student and we spent a half hour out there and called it quits just because you can't see, uh, I mean, visibility is down to three miles and you can't see what you need to see to learn. Yeah. So it's yeah. been, it's limited us a lot. Uh, you know, the corporate stuff, we're still able to get out and get on top. So it, it uh, doesn't reduce that too much. Yeah, but your set, this, the average Cessna is not getting above the smoke, right? It depends on the day. I mean, sometimes tops are at 6,000 feet. We can climb up above that and get out of the valley. Yeah. Hmm. It's got to be tough. And breathing, God, guys, breathing must be tough. <laughs> Just, ugh. Yeah, you, yeah, you smell like you're on a campfire 24 hours a day. Ugh, I'd hate it, to it have asthma disheartening. Yeah, they have all of those those things where it starts at green and then yellow and then red and then purple and then something and then it it's black and that's where we're at. Mm. That they just combine all the colors together. It's it's so so un, unhealthful. Do you have kids, Chad? I do. We've got two boys, a uh, six year old and a ten year old. And are are they not just we segued away from the fires there, but I was really curious, are they following up in your and your and your wife's foot footsteps? Oh yeah. That's uh they both like to ride, they both love to fly. So where it's both best of both worlds. I should say, what a what a one wonderful family to be part of. All right, so now the next thing we want to know is is it a Porsche or a, or a, or a dually? A Porsche or a dually? I, I'd say a dually. Dually. So that's what you guys are driving. You, all of your stuff is utilit- utilitarian. Yeah, I mean, I've got a a little beater car that I commute, like I said, from Medford to, to Grants Pass. Uh, we've got a, a Ford truck for hauling the trailers, and then she's got a little commuter car for going back and forth to work. He doesn't need but, a yeah, sports too- car. He flies jets. He's fine. It's true. <laughs> yeah. They're they're faster still. <laughs> yeah. So what is the most what is it that you like best about your horse wife? Just how independent and is, but... strong they are. Yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the answer? No, the, Sorry. She's strong and independent. So I mean it's not she they're not one of those women that you have to cater to and and just really do everything for it. They're, they're independent. They know how to do their stuff. And uh, there's a saying that, you know, never expect a woman to unload a bale of hay or what, what is the saying? Never expect them to carry groceries into the house, but they'll, they'll damn sure kick your butt at unloading hay. Yep. That's right. And you know, I think you bring up a good point. I think that's one of the, God, you can't be a horse husband if you don't like an independent woman. If if you Very like true. a meek, mild woman, you're not a horse husband. Uh, it's just, you're Absolutely. not. Right? Because we, we all must like that because that's what we marry. Yeah, and if you yeah, didn't yeah. know that they're, they're like that, you're going to figure it out within, I don't know, six months after you're married. But did you, did you date <laughs> your wife for very long? I mean, I know that you understood what a horse woman was like when, when, once you got married because of your family. But did your did your wife show you the full the full self before you were married, or or did that 
come out shortly thereafter? Uh, you know, we dated, to go back, we dated on and off through high school. Uh, so we've been out of high school for 12 years now. And uh, we've known each other for about 16 years. So wow. yes and I would say no. I would say some of most a little bit came out after marriage. Uh, you know, we lived together before we got married and on a ranch, her, her parents' ranch, actually. Um, but it was very different. We worked for them. They trained reining horses at the time, and then she did her barrel racing as well. Um, but it's, it's different when you're on your own. You have your own property, your own horses, and you're building your own uh, foundation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you know what? If if <laughs> if you don't, what you were saying, Joseph. You know, in six months you're going to find out probably in divorce court if uh, you haven't realized that you don't like an independent woman. That's how that ends up. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's astonishing because she dumps your ass. Is what, <laughs> is what <it> does. <laughs> Well, this is yeah. She can make up her mind up to do that. Yeah, that's right. Well, Chad, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it, and uh, it's been it's fun. It's always fun, you know. uh, My uh, co-host here on Horses in the Morning most days, uh, her husband was an F sixteen pilot and is now a commercial pilot. So it's cool. It's I'm I'm always amazed how many pilots we have uh, in the horse world. I always yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's one of the best matches, and I, I just talked to another person recently who was single, and and uh, uh, she was looking for a, a spouse, and I said, you know, you need to look into pilots because we have to be healthy, and generally speaking, we're we're well paid, and we don't really care what you're doing as long as we get to do what we want to do. And, Sounds just like a and most of one. you are sane. That's another thing you have to be. Yeah, Pr- pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's just not look at the news last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was a different kind of insanity, though. I mean, golly. Absolutely. Oh man, we're Thank- talking about the Alaska pilot. For yes, who has been in a cave. <laughs> well, thank you, Chad. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Chad. It's great talking with you. I am April, and I'm an HRN auditor because I value the knowledge inspiration and entertainment provided by all of the shows on the network and i'm happy knowing my contribution is helping to ensure the fun will continue in the future if you love hrn you should become one too to become an hrn auditor and to join the party please visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner on the right side of the page for as little as a dollar a month you too can join the party So coming up next, I saw this story on Facebook because uh, they're auditors of ours, and and I'm friends with all of our auditors, so I have a lot of friends. And I saw this story pop up, and I said, we have got to have her on. I know, it's a horse husband episodes, and I said her. Well, it's a married gay couple, Katie and Carrie. And uh, Katie is the horse person, quite a horse person, and a very accomplished horse person. And Carrie is the wife, and she married into this. So we're having Carrie on because she has the one is the one that has the amazing incredible story to tell yeah zero to a thousand miles an hour in uh in in an hour and 20 minutes well hi carrie welcome to the horse husbands episode Hello, thank you for having me. I think we're setting new ground here because normally we say women aren't even allowed to listen to this episode, but because you're a gay couple and you were the non-horse horse person that married into this situation, I consider you part of the horse husband family. 
Well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you kind of are in that situation, right? Oh, it's yeah. Sort of the non-rider joins, yeah, yeah, joins in with the rider. So you become the horse husband. So we declare like you exempt from <laughs> from one being on the show. You're allowed to do that, and you're also allowed to listen. So we declare that today. You're good. So we get that six is listeners. Focus. That's right. <laughs> so we get two more, <laughs> one more listener today. That's we like that. All right. So we're having Perfect. you on for a reason, and that's to tell a dramatic story. But before we get to the dramatic story. I want to find out, you guys have been married, what, three years now? Yes, yeah, just about three years. And how long did you date before you met Katie? Uh, we before dated for about five, yeah, about five years. Before you started dating Katie, and then after you got into it, did you have any clue about horses? Uh, zero. I, I knew <laughs> that they were large, Yeah. Um, and that's about it. And they pooped. <laughs> they pooped occasionally, and they probably ate something. That's about yeah. all we know, usually. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jason. And what do you do for a living, Carrie? Um, I am currently a chef turned gardener, um, who also is now a um, expert horse poop removal artist. <laughs> oh, wonderful! <laughs> Perfect. So am I. <laughs> yeah, we're all good at that. <laughs> so, so Carrie, you got married, or you you dated for five years. And what was there any point there where you said, "I don't know about this horse thing"? Because Katie's in it kind of big time, right? Right. She's she's very much so in it. Lives it and breathes it every day. Um, there, I didn't really know what I was getting into. Um, I, throughout all of our dating, um, she was working at a facility that where all of our personal horses were housed. So somebody that was a staff there cleaned up after them and fed them and all of that good stuff. So I had no idea what even went into it. Um, when we moved to Bend, Oregon, all of a sudden we were in charge of horse care and all of the things that go along with that. Um, and that was a, a very large, <laughs> a quick surprise. <laughs> so, so prior to getting married, you had lots of time to date and everything. And then as soon as you yes. were married, you had no time. Exactly. So, we we had like horse that. time together. Yeah, yeah. Horse That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because you have a few horses. How many do you, are on the property right now? Um, on the property, we currently are housing 22. 22 horses. So this isn't just three horses in the backyard. This is a lot of horses. And Katie is a trainer, correct? Correct. Yeah. And she takes, she takes them from unbroke to, to riding. If I remember right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So she, she she starts the babies and the beginners. Um, And I know she works with uh, Mustangs and other, other types of horses, all types of horses, really. Right. Yeah. Yep. We've got, Kind of a, a bit of a motley crew here. We've got some Mustangs. Um, we've got some Untouched. We've got some um, Warm Bloods, I believe is what they're called. Yep. The, you know, the fancier ones. Yep. Um, <laughs> so we, we have a really kind of funny mix of a lot of different kinds. <laughs> so generally speaking, prior to this, this uh, episode with the fire, your involvement with horses was to help clean stalls, but you didn't handle them or train them or ride them or you're, you're yeah, kind of on the much. outside of it. And then all of a sudden yeah, the I was, event happened. 
in when oh boy did it ever. Yep. <laughs> so I was very much so an outsider looking in. <laughs> so Katie decided to head off to Anna Twinney, who has been on our shows many times. And she does yeah. gentling clinics and Katie headed to one of her gentling clinics where they work with folds. And they mm-hmm. basically learn how to gentle foals. And so she headed off to that, and there you are on the farm. Now, when she goes away, do you have help on the farm, or is it just you taking care of 20 horses? Oh, yeah, we, we definitely have help. Okay, all right. <laughs> I I would not be, nope, would not be capable of that or comfortable with that. Um, so we have a really wonderful ba- barn manager um, who is uh, just phenomenal with the horses. And then we have about, three other staff that um, pick up and fill in either morning shift or an evening shift. What happened last Saturday? Well, (laughs) I got back home. I was uh, doing a farmer's market and I arrived back home at about three 30 in the afternoon. Uh, I was pretty tired because, you know, farmer's market woke up at four 30 to go do that. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a nap real quick. Just reset. So I laid down for a nap. All of a sudden, I hear my barn manager saying, uh, Carrie, Carrie, we need you up now. There, There is a fire. Oh, boy. Okay. Some, you know, ex- expletives were uttered out of my mouth. And I went outside, quickly saw a sheriff peel into my driveway, lights on, si- sirens on, tells me I am in a level three evacuation zone and that I needed to leave immediately. <laughs> so I said, okay, uh, I have 20 at that point, 26 horses on this property, an F one fifty and a three horse trailer. I'm going to need some help. <laughs> so there so, had been uh, nothing prior to that, Carrie, where, where they had, there, you had a level no. one and it turned into a level two and there was smoke it, on the horizon or anything. You went to that. sleep. There was nothing. I literally laid down. Coast was clear. Everything was fine. I got woken up about 20 minutes later, and then it was definitely not fine. Wow. So um, what happened was the fire started about a mile to a mile and a half um, to the west of our property. And out here, it's just a bunch of sagebrush, some bigger junipers, but just a lot of ground cover. So it just sparked and then rapidly expanded. So they just, they didn't even have time to send out, you know, usually they have the, uh, the app where they send out a text or, or call everybody on the list and say, Hey, this is going on. They didn't even so have time have been, to, to activate that. So you must wow. have been downwind of the fire then. Yeah. Yep. So the wind was blowing. Yeah. Basically there was smoke blowing directly towards our property. So towards you. <laughs> yep. Yep. The worst thing. Yeah. yeah the the absolute worst case scenario and i i panicked just for about i say a solid three minutes um i kind of started idiot running a little bit (laughs) um the sheriff is gone great i don't even know anything i okay i'm gonna go run after the sheriff so i go running down the driveway full bore and there's nobody there obviously because he's notifying other people but when i come running back up the driveway and uh, I looked at my barn manager, Lauren, was like, okay, well, <laughs> here we go. Let's hook up the horse trailer. So we just and you're, started hooking you're up our to horse yourself, trailer. And- isn't this what fire departments are for? I mean, isn't somebody going to show up on our property and pull out hoses and people are going to protect our stuff because that's what firemen right. do. And then, then this, that, this sudden realization that nobody is there. Alone. 
<laughs> Nobody is coming. And the fire is here. Nope. And there's, there's such a feeling of, of, uh, of not loneliness, but I, I know what you're talking about. This, the panic running because your brain's going a million miles an hour trying to figure out what am I going to do? Because you've never dealt with this before. Exactly. You just like, my brain was literally just lapping in circles and, going, okay. Well, and uh, then, and then, I, I have to move horses. And then were you thinking, okay, now which three horses? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. Right. Cause there's, let's see, let's do the math. We've got 26 and a three horse trailer that, you know, isn't the biggest of three horse trailers that I've ever seen. So, okay. Find the little ones and get get the, you know, get the horses that'll fit in our trailer in there first. So, I mean, so this goes on for about five, 10 minutes. We can't get a hold of Katie because, you know, she's over doing a clinic. And then all of a sudden my phone rings and it's Katie calling. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> the lady with the plan is on the phone. Here we go. Somebody called so, Katie and yeah. said, hey, your house is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, by the way, we know you're not there. However, um, do you need help <laughs> evacuating? And she goes, right. uh, I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> Poor Katie. So Katie is, you know, far away on the other line with me. And then also on the phone with a couple of people in our general area that are just have a very wide ranging uh, network of people with trailers that have, you know, also been in the same situation and are now available to help at a, at a moment's notice. So she sends the word out and she's like, okay, Carrie, just, you know, hang with me. We've got trailers coming. I need you to start, you know, calmly, <laughs> right? Calmly and collectively start putting halters on horses and we're going to match them to the trailers as they start pulling into the property. So now I am about what, 20 minutes into the ordeal, 25 minutes into the ordeal. The smoke is getting more intense. Um, there's definitely ash pouring down on us. Um, so now I've got about three faces that are on my property, whom of which I have never met before. <laughs> uh, and they are luckily horse people. They're horse savvy. So this is already a, a very large improvement. So uh, I start just, I'm on the phone with Katie and I just start saying, okay, this is the trailer that's pulling in. And Katie's there on her end. I don't know how she managed it, but on her end, she's like, okay, these, these three horses are going to go into that next trailer. Who's next? So we're just constantly taking inventory of it. Who's going on what trailer? Who's still left on yeah, the but property? I mean, the other oh. problem you had was that a lot of these horses weren't touched. I mean, some of them were new to your property and weren't used to getting in trailers. Yeah, I'd say probably a solid... 60 to 70% of the horses that are here are here, you know, specifically for some trailer loading issues, you know, some confidence building things. Um, so <laughs> to have uh, me as a completely unskilled horse handler say, no problem. <laughs> I'll get this big scared horse into a trailer. No problem. Here we go. <laughs> was, um, was a feat at, at best. Um, so luckily we had, uh, are, are you Go getting ahead. any updates a uh, half hour has gone by and is, has anybody updated you uh, as, as far as how far away the fire is, how fast you have to hurry or has everybody else evacuated um, and you're just left there? So at this point, no other law enforcement is on property, nor have I seen anybody. 
um, about five minutes of getting, you know, a list together of who's going where on what trailer and, and with who, um, all of a sudden a sheriff, another sheriff pulls in and says, okay, here I am. You are still very much so at a level three evacuation and you need to leave. You need to leave right now. And I said, um, okay, uh, politely, sir, uh, my wife, Katie Dixon would not leave until all of these horses are in trailers. So she's not here and I'm now that person. <laughs> so, uh, basically right you can either help me or you can get out of my way. I can't even believe that those words came out of my mouth, but they did. So well done. Katie's trained me well. <laughs> I like you. Um, <laughs> So it turns out that um, I was unaware of this at the point because I was still deep in our property, just orchestrating what was going on in the center where you know most of the horses are. Um, so that sheriff actually he went down to the end of the driveway and started directing you know how many trailers could come in at one point and just kind of kept the chaos of you know fifteen horse trailers showing up in a small place at bay down there. Let's so let's stop like there for a out. second. He did help us. Let's stop there for a second, Carrie. The fact that that many horse trailers showed up to help and the word went out that quickly is amazing too. Right? Within 30 minutes, Glenn, I had about three trailers on my property and from where I was standing, I could see two more, but I had a neighbor that cruised over and said that there was at least eight trailers out there waiting to get in. Jeez. Within 30 minutes. Jeez. What? That's... I mean, talk about unheard of community. Like, I I was blown away by that. I had, and not until later did I realize that that was actually what was going on outside of our gate. So. And did it get Facebooked, or how did all those people find out that your need um, so quickly? I think that it, it did go out on Facebook. I know Katie called a couple of people um, in the area and was just kind of like, that, that were really close by and found out a couple of them were also being evacuated. So then she, I'm to be honest, I'm not really quite sure, but I do know that Facebook played a big part in it, which mm. it says something about social media, to be honest. Mm. Um, mm. Not my personally, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it, it does, it sure does come in handy. Um, so yeah, there was a, a Facebook post that went out and then um, a couple of phone calls were made and then there was just a whole lot of communicating between um, the within that post thread. And I mean, trailers were down in Tumalo, which is about mm, 10 miles away from us, maybe eight um, being escorted by sheriffs. Like com the highway was completely closed. So there was trailers down in Tumalo is about eight miles away being escorted by the sheriffs into our property. Wow. <laughs> so, um, to say I'm blown away is definitely an understatement. Well, let's all remember, too, once one horse person finds out about anything, good or bad, it spreads like crazy. So, I mean, there's that. Oh, yeah. Um, so Absolutely. <laughs> so, you were just following Katie's instructions about... Because the other thing you had to worry about is which horses would put up with each other and not kick the crap out of each other in a horse trailer. So, you had that going right? on, too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep, because we have about um, three, four separate herds that are pretty solid herds. They, you know, they're they're pretty long term um, residents here. But you know, I mean, you can't put one 
from one herd in with one from the other herd because then everybody starts freaking out and you know the horses were running the fence line and just getting pretty agitated so <laughs> there was um a whole lot of you know actual horse handling involved too that i um you know i've learned an awful lot about it in the last week and i <laughs> uh, wouldn't say that i'm an expert but uh quite a bit more confident than I was a week ago. I bet. <laughs> so, all right. So did you get all the horses out, number one? And were any uh, a yes. huge problem loading or were they all kind of in, okay, I, everybody else is leaving, I better leave too? It's it's surprising. They were, they were actually all, I mean, they were frantic about it. They definitely weren't sure, but they all kind of got the sense of like, well... <laughs> Uh, everybody else is going and it doesn't, something doesn't seem right. So I'd better go too. um, all the, we have, um, two, uh, BLM brothers here right now and they also loaded relatively easily. Um, so, I mean, to say that I'm, I'm lucky by, uh, the, the horse's behavioral standpoint is also an understatement. It was, it was pretty cool to watch all of them kind of realize that, Something's not right. Uh, my friends are leaving. I guess I will deal with it and also get on that trailer and go. So from the time the sheriff showed up to you were driving out with the last horse, how long was that? About an hour and 25 minutes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so now the place is <laughs> right? empty and, and Katie finally says, hey, could you take and put some of my clothes into a suitcase? Right? Oh, no. There's been not no even. She goes, she goes, hey. Everybody's good. We have the deed to the house, the paperwork on the horses. Can you grab my saddles? <laughs> <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> sure thing. That's no problem, love. I've got the saddles. We're good. <laughs> That's that is that is exactly what a horsewoman would say. So yep. So at what point are well, did you first did you know where any of these horses were going? Uh, not at first. Um, at first we were just focused on getting them in the trailer. And then, um, we had, we had a slight plan to go to the rodeo grounds, um, over in Redmond. Uh, turns out they were hosting an event that, that, uh, weekend. So, um, they were full. So then there was all of a sudden a quick shuffle about of, uh, okay, what do we do now? (laughs) Um, so then we found, um, uh, a couple of people in our, in our network that are pretty close by, um, that had enough room for a couple of different horses to go there. So by the end of it, we had horses in four, five different locations. Hmm. And so it, 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 they kind of went everywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, now everybody wants to know what happened to the fire. The fire was put out. Thank you. Cloverdale fire department. Um, they contained it, um, uh, at about midnight on Saturday, it dropped our level down to a level one evacuation zone. Um, so they prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be ready. Um, at that point I was like, okay, that's great. Uh, I'm not going home until you guarantee me 100%. I don't have to turn around and do this in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How many acres uh, burned on that fire? Um, the official report that I saw was 74 acres. So it was pretty good size. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It it was a decent size for sure. And they managed Um, to get it out. So good for them. 
they did. I mean, we had a, a DC-10 tanker, like one of those giant jet planes, fly so low over our house, I thought it was going to take the roof off, and it started dropping retardant basically um, maybe a half a mile away from where my property ends. Um, it was probably one of the scarier things that I, that I have ever seen. <laughs> um, but it was a good thing. Uh, I was, uh, reminded Anna Twinney actually reminded me, she's like, Harry, that if they're dropping retardant, that's a good thing. You want that plane to keep doing that. And I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> so but, Joseph, uh, that, yeah, there was, that seems fast for a plane like that to get to a fire. Cause this had obviously had just started. Well, that's the beauty of the modern retardant dropping airplanes. They, they've pretty much phased out all propeller planes, the old piston planes, and now they're flying jets that can cruise at 450 miles an hour. Do they keep and, them loaded? Uh, they, I mean, they're sitting around loaded? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Not, not always, but a lot of times they are loaded when it's something like this. But in, in an hour's worth of time, that jet has plenty of time. From You think about it, from an hour away, how far away that jet could be added a base and then be there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the modern jet thing. It's a lot different, but now they're going through, you know, a billion gallons of retardant. (laughs) (laughs) You want to have stock in the retardant company these days. Jeez. Right. (laughs) So what did you take away from this? What was your takeaway, Carrie, of this whole thing? What did you, well, let me rephrase that question. What did you learn about yourself? Well, um, I learned that, uh, to be honest, a routine of taking care of 24 horses uh, before last week was a very overwhelming thought process. Um, As of last week, I now look at our daily chore to-do list, and I'm like, yeah, (laughs) easy. I got that. (laughs) I will deal with that any day. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? No problem. (laughs) It's amazing what a, a, a primeval um, response fire is. That mm. All that sheriff had yeah. to do was come on your property, and this, the smoke was there and so on, but it wasn't until somebody told you, you, you are, your life is threatened. And, man, it's, it's instantly you have the adrenaline and your brain's going a million miles an hour. It's hard to think straight. But I just went from a dead sleep to, like, 9,000 miles an hour. Yeah, and you didn't stop. 15, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and what a fantastic job you did. It's it's just uh, amazing to hear the story, and and even if the property would have been threatened, the the horses were gone, and and um, and you were going to be safe. And it's it's remarkable that that you can do that. Dad, please tell me Katie took you out for a nice dinner or something. Yeah, of course she did. Oh, good, good. Absolutely, came (laughs) home immediately, (laughs) hugged me for about ten minutes. And and we went out to dinner and we just decompressed and it was it was awesome. <laughs> Yay! Uh, good for her. Good for her. And now you have emotional involvement with every single one of those horses for the rest of your your marriage. It's gonna yeah, be awesome. I, you know, funny funny is I I actually told Katie a couple days ago I was like you know I I feel as though I'm finally ready to be a active part of this organization and. Um, we need to have some horse handling lessons, I feel like. <laughs> well, look at you. You're graduating horse elementary school. She's going to junior high. Yes. <laughs> horse Handling 101. Here I come. <laughs> Give out the uh, the name of the farm and the website address. Uh, Renegade Equine is the name of the farm. Our website address is renegade-equine.com. 
And we're where, located in Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. Yep. We have so many listeners up there in, in the Northwest. It's incredible. Well, thank you, Carrie, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And good job. Well done. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for sharing yeah, that story. I was in it. <laughs> I, I got it. In it. In it to win yeah. it, as I like to say. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> standing there with a garden hose at your place. Everybody was moving. Hey, if we come out and visit, <laughs> yep. will you cook for us? I got. I, this is my next question. Oh. Because, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because Katie has told you me that give me a day's notice. you are an excellent chef. She told me so. I, I definitely we had I'll Joseph. Say. We have to visit because uh, apparently Sounds we have good. ourselves a super chef on our hands here. One one day's drive. I'm there. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, seven days drive. I'm there. Perfect. So, <laughs> thanks, Katie. Well, I mean, or no, thanks, we'll Carrie. Just, we'll have a, a long. You know, it's funny. You're you're one of eighteen thousand people that do that on a daily basis. <laughs> it's they Katie and Carrie, it's so Katie, close. Carrie, Carrie, <laughs> oh, whichever one you are, I'm talking to this one. <laughs> you could have started with a different sounding first name. It would have been better, like Melanie know, or something. Right? It would yeah. have been so much better. <laughs> we, <laughs> we need to change your name to Zena now, the Warrior Princess. You you got it covered. I- you know, I'm not mad about that. I'll no, that I didn't. Th- I thought you'd take that. All right. Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> All right, bye, Carrie. Thank you guys bye, so much. So here we have two people, you and we have Carrie, who live in the Northwest, who went through almost the identical same thing, except she had to move 26 horses by herself. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, I, what I did was just trying to protect personal property, trying to not only trying to move that many horses, but doing it in the place of the person that you're married to? Yes. I mean, talk about getting bonus points. I don't think, I'm not sure I could have done, maybe with Jennifer on the phone. She did have the advantage, and thank God she had Katie on the phone, because that did help. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about me in that situation she would have been in at the point in time that she is in it. And now I could do it probably, but back then, I don't know if I could have done it. Maybe with Jennifer on the phone, I could have done it, but I would have been, you know how she said she was running around just do. I would have been doing that for the whole hour and a half. Hey, my Uh, wife is on the other end of the phone lines. When, when somebody needs this help, the first person they call is my wife because she has a trailer and all that kind of thing. And I see how crazy she gets (laughs) running around getting getting the halters and getting everything ready and trying to figure out where the address is and I don't have a smartphone and what am I going to do and all that I can only imagine what Katie must have been doing on the other end I mean t- talk about multitasking arranging for all those people and what order that the horses are going to be loaded and which barns and who's going to get along and oh my god my head exploded <laughs> I know I know but uh, <laughs> it was an amazing story and we're glad we we are definitely glad she came on yeah, and oh by the great. way yeah. if you are also a married lesbian gay couple and your your significant other married into it she is permitted to listen to the show and can be on the show you're just not so you're still That's exempt. right yeah I just yeah, want to clarify. Yeah. And you would do well to teach her how to halter your horses, by the way. Yes, exactly. It sounded like she knew that part. So <laughs> thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you for joining us for the latest Horse Husbands episode. You can find all of the forks that we talked about, the Flex and Fork, and, which are now available again, and the Shake and Fork. You can find them at equitymfg.com and put the coupon code HITM, H-I-T-M, in the uh, Coupon code section, you'll get 10% off. That's your order of your Flex and Fork. And if you get three Flex and Forks, you get free shipping. You might as well buy three at a time. Why not? Might as well. Yep. Yep. 
Might as well. Christmas is coming too. <clears throat> That's true, and these are great Get gifts. Prepared. We gave them to our landlords actually as gifts, and they still use them every day. So, and we gave them to them because they kept using ours. <laughs> so we gave them their own <laughs> Christmas. That's why we did. Uh, and tomorrow we'll be back here on Horses in the Morning, like we are every morning, because it'll be episode two thousand two. We got two thousand more episodes to go here. We got to double our number. So it'll be episode 2002 tomorrow. Jamie will be here with Debbie Lauk, Samani Roberts' daughter, host of Horsemanship Radio. I am on the road with Jemmy doing another episode of Finding Florida. So we're we're doing some fun. We're doing a first time. This is making her real nervous. Jemmy is very particular. She likes everything planned down to the minute on our trips. So every minute of every day has to be planned. And this time I said, why don't we do a freestyle? We'll just drive from coast to coast because Florida's pretty narrow. We can do that in two days. We'll go from from the Gulf, we'll go from the Atlantic to the Gulf, and we'll just take back roads and we'll see what we find. I'm sure we can make a fun show out of that. Well, this has her just as nervous as could be. She's convinced that we're not going to find anything or anybody to talk to. So uh, I think it'll be just the opposite. It'll probably be one of our most our greatest adventures. I think it'll be Hopefully fun. no washed out bridges or anything like that. Yeah, you know, it's not hurricane season. Well, it is hurricane season, but we don't have any yet, so we're good. <laughs> we're good. Well, so uh, so they'll be back here tomorrow. Get your really bad ads in to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. She needs a couple more for tomorrow, so get on get on Craigslist and Facebook and look for those really bad ads and send them to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. If you want to find past episodes of The Horse Husband, just go to horsesinthemorning.com and scroll down the middle of the page. You'll see a whole bunch of little uh, banner ads, and you'll see one that's uh, got a horse husband on it. Click on that, and it brings up all the past episodes. You can listen to them all at once. Well, thank you, Joseph. Appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. This was a wonderful episode. You have a a great afternoon. See you all next month on the Horse Husbands episode. And don't forget, spay, neuter, or gals.